Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Marketing Ops Confessions. I'm really excited to be joined by Abby Ryan from Next Think Today. And I'll do a proper introduction in just a minute, but uh, we like to get through some housekeeping first. So feel free to leverage the chat. There's also some fun emoji reactions that you can use. Show Abby some love if you agree, um, if you're excited about something she says, definitely utilize those. Also, this is such a good opportunity for you to ask live questions to Abby. Um, anything that's on your mind, something that she says might spark some inspiration for you. So use the questions tab to submit your questions. We'll also try to track those in the chat as well. Um, everyone is muted and uh, this session is recorded and we actually have a separate landing page that has all of our past sessions on it. At the end, you'll be redirected to uh, that registration page and then you can separately go and check out all of the other past sessions that we've had. So if you are new, um, you uh, may have heard that we are doing a monthly giveaway for Marketing Ops Confessions. We've given away a drone. Last month we gave away a Yeti cooler. We're just trying to fuel like all your summer fun because we know that's what people need right now. So this month we are giving away three Wink Wine subscriptions. So that's like the service where you can go online and they take a quiz and um, then they'll send you a wine box every month. It's very fun. And of course, there will always be a non-alcoholic version if you win and that's your preference. Um, and the way that you earn an entry is simply by being here today. So every single session that you attend within that month is an entry to the monthly giveaway. And we will announce the winner um, just one-on-one -on -one at the end of the month. Okay, as I mentioned, I'm really excited to be joined by Abby Ryan today. Abby is the Global Head of Marketing Operations and Technology at NextThink. And a little known fact is that Abby and I used to work together when I was on the agency side and Abby was at SAP Concur. Uh, we had a, a, a running relationship between our two organizations and I had the opportunity to work with her and her team. And so I know firsthand that she can build a badass team and get a lot done um, in a very well organized way. And she's got a really great balance of those technical hard skills and soft skills, which I'm excited for her to talk about today. So we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about creating alignment with uh, various teams. Um, key considerations when building out a MOPS functions and top tips for enabling team growth as a manager. Welcome, Abby. Thank you, Hannah. What a great introduction. You make me feel so good about myself. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad that we're able to work together again and have this conversation. I'm really excited to jump in. Me too, me too. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about your journey, just because I think that that's always important to set the stage and understanding kind of the environment that you grew up in when it comes to marketing operations. And I know you didn't start in marketing operations either, which I, which has actually been kind of a common theme and more, um, more common than we think. So yeah, maybe we just start by, by talking about your background and a little bit about your journey and how you are now or what brought you to next thing. Absolutely. Um, so I think I've actually talked about this on a few webinars, but I am actually a trained event planner. Um, I, I went to school to be an event planner and did it uh, right after college for a few years. And what you realize is 
Um, you know, you see the JLo movie about being a wedding planner and it seems like fun and it's, it's really not, um, <laughs> you have no time for yourself. It's nights and weekends plus a nine to five. Um, but it really gave me a solid foundation and organization, um, and dealing with different people and, and customers and making sure people are happy, um, and kind of like delighted with whatever the experience should be. Um, so I sort of fell into the tech world and work, was working in sales operations at a, um, web content management company years ago and had the opportunity to learn NetSuite. Um, and while I was learning NetSuite, I met my mentor and a very good friend of mine, uh, Terry Feldman. And she kind of said, hey, I think you have the right type of brain to work with systems. You should start looking into other tools. And it kind of grew from there. So shortening a very long story down, um, I, I worked in sales operations, then had an opportunity to work in professional services ops to really get that side of the house and then moved into marketing ops where I found my home. So um, in marketing ops, worked mostly exclusively with Marketo, with Salesforce, all of the kind of big players and had the opportunity to be at a whole bunch of the Marketo conferences and Adobe conferences and meet some really incredibly intelligent people um, who kind of helped me kind of carve out the path that I was looking for. Um, so as Hannah mentioned, I used to be at SAP Concur and I'm currently at NextThink. NextThink is um, a fantastic Series D funded billion dollar valuation company focused on employee engagement, experience management, um, sort of like remote workforce, right? How do we make sure that people working from home have what they need? And how do we deal with this new version of hybrid, hybrid work? So coming from Concur, SAP Concur, where it's travel and expense, it's still dealing with the business. It's still dealing with how we as employees can kind of interact. And so the way that we speak to our audiences is pretty similar. Um, when Hannah and I were talking about this session, she kind of asked, like, why, you know, SAP, huge company moving to a much smaller, more niche area, kind of the why. Um, and something that I found with a lot of folks in marketing ops is we get really excited about things. We want to try new things um, and having that exposure to a whole bunch of different ways to run a mark ops team in different sizes, different industries, different countries uh, is really has really been important to me. I had a fantastic team at SP Concur. All of the people who are there are phenomenal, couldn't work with better folks. Um, and it just happened to be the right time to take on a new challenge um, and sort of see, can I can I deal with um, a smaller team, but with uh, very different challenges and things that we, we need to work through and kind of like stretch my brain a little bit and challenge myself to take on some new stuff. So it's been really fantastic. Um, I have doubled the size of my team since I started back in December. I have all these amazing people working for us, um, doing some really crazy things just right out of the gate. And so it's been really, really fantastic so far. I love that. Thank you for sharing your journey. I think it's, again, like so important to to find those commonalities. And, and for those that are unsure of, you know, gosh, do I make this move? I was at this big company with all of these processes. And now I'm thinking about kind of going off and starting over. I know it can be um, it can be nerve wracking. And, and so it's, it's definitely good to hear um, and, and pull some inspiration from your story. So, um, and I know you're super passionate about your team, which I love, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, I want to ask you, um, and maybe we can think th think about this question too by starting out, um, giving a summary of like how how the structure is at NextThink. But ultimately, what I'm curious about is who do you think marketing ops should should report to? I love this question. Um, so I actually feel very passionately about this. And 
<laughs> my my first thought is marketing ops needs to have someone who can sit at the table and who can kind of push back and listen and really understand the business. Um, in general, I do not think that marketing ops should roll into a demand gen function. However, my current setup is that my team rolls into our VP of revenue marketing and she's fantastic. Um, so I've kind of proved myself a little bit wrong here uh, because I've seen it work not ideally in the past. I've seen markups functions roll into demand gen and what can happen is demand gen says, we have to hit X number of MQLs, we've got to get it through and markups is saying, hey, but that's not really a true engagement. I'm not sure and it can be hard to have those conversations. What I found at my, my current setup is, um, my manager, again, who's our VP of Revenue Marketing, Claudia Hefner, is we can have those debates. We can talk about, like, is this really an engagement? Is this is this appropriate for the business? Is this driving pipeline truly? And we can kind of have a friendly argument about what does make the most sense and how are we looking at the reports? So I'm still going to stick to my guns here and say that Markup should have its own direct line to your CMO. Um, or to you know a, a head of the overall opera uh, the head of the overall marketing team but I think that it can be worked when you have someone in the right position to say hey I disagree here's why I disagree and that you have that open communication which I think just speaks more to like the type of culture and environment that you want in any kind of team being able to have that open communication and collaboration um, if I felt, like I couldn't say that something was wrong, then I'm not doing my job the best that I can. And if, if I'm in an environment where that's not possible, that's something I should probably take a look at as a leader of the organization, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Agree. And what I'm hearing from that is like, it's really all about people, right? Because you make that decision as a leader to say, this is what the culture is going to be like. This is how I'm going to nurture that. And this is how I'm going to also um, you know, like drink my own champagne and showcase that. So I think it's like very important that when we think about this, this structuring and where people might have differing opinions could just be, be from their experiences and perhaps being in a culture that didn't give that before. And now you have the opportunity to see it in a different way, which is, which is great. Exactly. Well, it's interesting you say that too, because you know, some people come out of school and land in their first role and they happen to land in a great culture fit and that's wonderful. And then they can go somewhere else and not be totally sure what questions to ask. And so I always like to, you know, as a, as a manager, as I'm interviewing people, even if they're not for my team, kind of ask what does the best fit look like to you? Um, what are some things that really get you to disengage and, and really not want to be a part of a group? Because I think it's on all of us to make sure that we're kind of formulating the right culture. Um, and you said something else that tickled the back of my brain and now it's gone, which always happens on, on live webinars. Um, but yeah, I think having, having the, the ability and the uh, trust in the relationship that you can disagree is like one of the most important things. Yeah, agree. And I think too that that almost comes from experience as well as is, is going through that lived like, okay, we didn't have this trusting relationship, therefore this is what the result was. Right. So I think it's important to like going back to your initial point of getting all of these different types of experiences, that's the only way that you're going to level up and say, okay, that didn't work or I didn't like this. So here's where I want to go and why. 
Exactly. Well, and I think too that we were we were talking about this before and prep for the webinar is um, a lot of folks in marketing ops come from very different backgrounds because there hasn't really been like a college degree in marketing operations, right? So we have folks who come from demand gen or field or sales or something completely different. And having that broader experience actually, I've found makes the best um, employees, the best teammates, the best peers. Because if we all come from exactly that same cookie cutter, we're going to have per, 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 fairly similar ideas. But if we have team members coming from all different places, then we have like a broader understanding of the business and what really matters to each function. But also that difference of ideas of here's how I would tackle it. And it can translate it to more creative technical solutions. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And um, something that you actually said, and we were just talking about this session too with uh, Dr. Debbie, and something that resonated a lot with me is that you had started talking about that you really understood logic and it wasn't necessarily about like the tools, but it's being able to apply this logic and understand here's, here's what makes sense and here's how to set that up and here are the different steps, which I think is really, really critical. Um, and like for me, like I, I can tell a little story that sort of like, is brand new a brand new awakening for me where it was like i was always so bad at math and it made me feel awful and i was like i just couldn't get it i couldn't understand how to um do it quickly and um just like really grasp the actual computations but when it came to understanding how to do something i could tell you very quickly so i saw a problem and i said i know how to do it but i can't solve it without taking a lot of time and using other resources. But I know how to do it because I understand the logic and the order of operations. And I think that that kind of mindset is really um, important to have in a marketing ops or a more technical role. Absolutely. I, and I think, too, that's one of the first key pieces that you need in your like mental library, right? Like I'm very visual. So I like to use this idea of a mental library of like my brain is all up here. I can look into it and pull out what I need. And one of those first things is the baseline logic of my favorite example is we're looking for um, somebody who lives in California or somebody whose name begins with an H. Those are two very different pieces of criteria. It's an or sort of situation. And that's a very simple distinguisher between and and or, but a lot of people have a hard time understanding that once they get over that kind of hump of the basics of logic of we're looking for Hana because she's got the H and she happens to be in California or whatever it might be. Um, it opens up all of these other things. And so you get that in your mental library and you're like, I can pull that back out. I can use this logic to understand how the other tools will communicate with each other. Um, and I think that you hit the nail on the head. It's it's really being able to have that type of brain to just connect the dots and have the mental library that you can pull from and say, we might be talking about um, personas today, but I'm thinking about what their persona is going to do for a business development rep who's up front. Why are they important? How is it going to change the way they do their business? It's not just these blinders on of I'm thinking about personas because I want to do demographic scoring and I want to make sure that those are scored perfectly. Well, you have to think about the, the whole all the way through. We're scoring to send to sales. We want sales to have the right information to follow up on and follow up in an appropriate way. We're going to speak to someone in security differently than we are in development. Um, and so having those little like connect the dots and jumps in logic makes the best marketing ops professionals for sure. 
Mm-hmm. And I think transferable to so many other life skills too. And, and we can, we can encourage that. Like if you're a parent, you can encourage that at a young age to like get your child's brain to understand logic. And then they will be in such a better position and have so many different options when it comes to like their career and what they want to do. And just start by thinking about, okay, if this, then that, and get them to solve those problems uh, with their logic. Uh, Okay, we've kind of went on on a little bit of a tangent, but that's okay. Um, I want to talk about, and this is still around the people pillar, which is great. Um, And we we know how important it is to be aligned with various teams. But like, let's dig into more so like the how, like when we're thinking about customer success, when we're thinking about sales operations, community, like how do you enable that alignment? And maybe you can share like some tips or some lessons learned to for others to kind of take from that. Absolutely. Um, So I've been lucky enough to be a part of a team that was moving from marketing operations into revenue operations a few years ago. And so I think that that gave me a a decent background or um, baseline layer of knowledge of what are the questions that we need to ask when we're thinking about functions outside of marketing, but still within that go to market group. Um, So within marketing sales and customer services. So when I was first working in marketing ops, and I'm going to go back to that lead scoring uh, example, because I think it's the easiest, is you just start to think about, okay, here are the ways that we're reaching out to the world. Here are the ways that they're interacting back with us. How valuable is that to us as, as, in an, as an organization? When you start to have these conversations with sales ops, and this is where you want to get involved with the folks who run your CRM, the folks who are pulling the reporting on the sales side, those who are doing comp, understanding compensation, what matters to the salespeople, what are they driving in pipeline, and how are they determining if a deal is working, moving forward, slowing down, or stuck? because that's going to change the information that upfront and marketing we're able to share back. Then we get a little bit further down the line into customer services. And depending on the type of company, it could be customer services saying, hey, did you receive your good? Or it's you know, a, a SaaS company, you want to make sure that you have those professional services, help people launch and get going. So they're going to need to continue communications with the same people. So every bit of information we have upfront in marketing needs to get through to customer. And we need to be able to understand that whole journey of not only here's the first time you've ever heard of my company, but here's, here's the time that you're going to continue to renew again and again and again. So a couple of the, the tips that I have and, and, and tricks, I suppose, but it feels more like It feels like uh, common sense, but I think this is a simple thing that people kind of go over is you got to start having cross pollination calls. Um, I love calling them cross pollination calls because I'm a nerd. And so if you ask anybody on my team, I'm going to try and inject frivolity wherever I can. We have a crystal ball call to watch leading indicators and stuff like that. But cross pollination is we have marketing ops, we have sales ops. We want to have a set time where we're getting together and we're talking about the things that matter to both of our teams. So in that lead scoring example, I want to make sure that the sales force and the sales sales ops admins, everybody that I'm working with understand, here's what we're changing in lead scoring. Here's how many MQLs are going to flow through. Here's what you should expect to see within the system. Alternately, I want to know, do you have any enablement sessions planned with sales upcoming? Are there things that they're going to ask that we haven't thought of? What does your day-to-day process look like? Because too often we kind of assume, we make a lot of assumptions about what other functions do based on other companies we've worked at. So if you had a BDR organization, for example, and it's rolled within marketing, you might just assume they're going to qualify and move things through in the same way as this last company. But having that time and having those cross-pollination calls to say, Hannah, what does your team do? How about in this situation? And really get that documented out helps us understand that full process from end to end. 
Um, currently at NextThink, we have a really great relationship with sales ops. Um, we've been spending so much time together. We have a Mops Ops Weekly that was set up way before I started. This is not something that I did. Um, and we're able to take the time with the really highly technical folks to discuss what are the issues in the overall flow and process so that we really know on each side of the fence kind of what's happening. Um, my goal there is to continue to understand what is important to sales. And again, thinking about moving those opportunities forward, where are they stuck and how can I make sure that we're able to identify those to our sales leadership so that we can then really add more more people to the, the pod, let's say, and get the, the deal going again. For the customer services side of things, again, it's how do we make everything that they need to do easier? Just because I'm in marketing ops doesn't mean that I can't positively impact another team. If our, our teams in customer service are having a really hard time sending out a survey, we can figure out a way to do it in Marketo. We can understand the engagement that they're seeing from the platform and back onto our website. And I think offering up that information up front really gets a lot of buy-in and we're able to understand further down. So when I need something from customer services, I can say, hey, this is how I think that it works. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Can we work together on this? And then it's just more likely that it becomes one team instead of disparate, again, with the blinders on just focused on my one area. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And something I'll add to that too is um, we have to also pay attention to like the individual level as well. So if there's somebody that you work with or the other leader on that team, I always like to, and I learned this from one of my mentors, um, I always like to understand like their work love language so you can properly communicate to them and share with them and acknowledge them. And like with my team, the first thing that I'll ask them is like, how do you like to be recognized? Because that's so different than, you know, across the board. If you like, um, you know, I want a really nice bottle of whiskey or I want you to take me to dinner. I've had somebody say, I want to go to golf. I want to play golf <laughs> uh, versus like, I want a company announcement. I want, you know, an email or a gift card or something like that. So it's the levels of recognition and the way that people receive that and receive, um, you know, feedback can be very different. And I think that that can also, understanding that can also be re really helpful across teams, not just within your team. No, I totally agree. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, one of one of our, our teammates, she runs global campaign ops for me, Sarah Monette. She um, did a whole personality exercise for our group last week. And part of it was what's the best way to communicate with me in times of stress, mm -hmm. or, you know, regular times. And we're all working on a document that's essentially like, OK, if, if Hannah wants to work with Abby and she can tell Abby's super stressed out, here's what she should do. Much more direct communication, bullet point, et cetera, et cetera. But Sarah also is. Um, she's just wonderful. I'll just say like, again, I love my team so much. It oozes out of me, but Sarah's fantastic. And we have these great one-on-ones and she'll share, you know, words of affirmation are wonderful for her. And it's really important for me just as a human being. Like I love sharing. I love what you did. You did an amazing job. Here's how it impacted. And so it's a really great relationship. I've had people on teams before who could not care less if I spent like 15 minutes praising them and telling them how good it was, they find it awkward. I'm too much. I talk a lot. I'm very bubbly and in their face. It's too much. So I kind of pull back there and instead send a separate note to say, here's how you, how you positively impacted. Really appreciate it, period. Because it should be on me. I should be making sure that I'm 
delighting you as well and making sure that I'm not just forcing my own aggressive friendliness on you all the time. I'm not always successful, I'll be honest, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're never too much. You're just you and you bring it all the time. And I think that it's important to like, you can adjust um, and like just move to a different style and still be you and still have like exude that bubbliness and, and whatever it may be that makes you you, but it's just in a different format that um, that other person can receive. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so we're kind of already on this topic, but I know you're super passionate about it. And what I want to talk about is again, like kind of at this like larger structural level, but then also at the individual level. So like what, what kinds of things should you be looking for? And this is really for like marketing ops managers, people that want to move into this role, people that are struggling with building this function. Um, what should we be looking for? What are the kind of key attributes and, and maybe you can share some things that have worked well for you in building out a, a MOPS function? Absolutely. Um, I think the first place to start is a pretty deep dive audit on yourself, your team, and what the capacity is that you currently have. Um, I've been in places before where I was the only marketing ops person. I've built teams from two or three to 16 people all over. You know what I'm saying? So very different, different structures. And whatever you come into, 99% of the time, there was care and intelligence and a lot of effort put into whatever you're seeing. So really taking the time to understand what's the current setup, what's the environment, why were certain things done and really getting it documented is the first place to start. The way that I've gone through thinking about the strategy of building out the team at where it needs to head is I, I hate to use this because I think people hear it and they're like, oh, gosh, but, you know, people process and technology. We, the reason that's a popular phrase that people use is because it really helps you narrow in on what do you need to be focusing on. So for me, the people process and technology, technology is fine. We know MarTech stack, sure, but it's also the cross-functional tools and what the other teams are using that are going to maybe impact the ecosystem. The people is what type of uh, skill set do you have in the team? What are the things that need to get done? What are the things that would be cool to get done? And what are the things that are going to win you awards? Right. And it's like you have to have that that baseline of we have to get stuff out the door, um, whether it's an 80, 20 of 80 percent keeping the lights on 20 percent of innovation, that 80 percent that you need to keep the lights on. Those are the the actual tasks and the different projects and processes that need to run smoothly day to day. So that absolutely needs to be documented out. From there, you can kind of start to see, um, especially if you've been in marketing ops for a while, where there are some thematic overlays, right? We're not necessarily gonna have one person do literally everything. And if we have to, cool. Like there are many amazing mark ops professionals out there who can do absolutely everything. But if we've got 15 absolutely necessary items that have to get done every day or every week, you can kind of see thematically that there's going to be more of this outbound execution. There's going to be some project management. There's going to be design. And there's also going to be an analytics. On top of all of that are almost foundationally underneath that is the development of the IT structure overall. Um, IT, but also just the marketing technology. So having the development side of it, almost like a MarkOps developer, and we've got a few folks on our team who handle that to really understand, okay, we know all of these things are happening. Here's what the tool actually needs to be able to do. So um, a couple of examples I have is it's great to have, again, an analytics function within the team. That's always necessary. I like leaning more towards insights or, um, you know, uh, 
data architecture, data strategy, because it's really all about what are we putting into the system and how then can we pull it back out? If you just go at it and you're like, I'm going to build reports, but you have no idea what all the fields are doing and why and when they were put in place, you're going to get junk back out. Um, so having that analytics and insights, I really think that having a project manager or someone with a project management skill set is hyper important for any world-class marketing operations function. There are so many things in markups that are SLA based, right? I need an email. This list upload needs to happen. We have this new process we need to build out, but then there are all these projects. So it can be really hard to say, we're going to, you know, we're going to work off of sprints um, where we're going to do two weeks and we're going to get through everything because stuff is going to come at you in the middle of the sprint. So it's kind of a hodgepodge. So having someone understand the different ways that we manage those bigger projects and what needs to be, you know, who needs to be part of that conversation, I think can help an amazing team go from amazing to incredible. Um, the other side is that can't, that outbound execution, right? So one of the core tenets of marketing ops in the OG was email, like email marketing. It's still the easiest, cheapest, best way, even though a lot of people think email is dead, to get interactions. And so having people understand how are we speaking to the world? Are we following our brand style guidelines? Are we understanding what corporate marketing is really looking for? Do we have all of the right colors in the right places? Um, are we segmenting appropriately? So I kind of just break it up in that way. Um, I want to go back to the project manager one more time, just because I feel so strongly about it. You don't have to have an exact project manager and that's their only role. You do need people who have that skill set and who are able to see beyond just the original task and out further. One thing Hannah and I talked about is that the way that I evaluate where my team is at is that we are we have people who are amazing at task management. You can give them a list of things and they can kill it. They're going to do execute flawlessly. They know where the email needs to go. They know who needs to be brought in. They're going to execute perfectly. The next level there is the project management is seeing that broader scope. And so having folks who are really good at getting things out the door is amazing. And you need these people. They're the cornerstone of everything that we do. You should challenge them to say, okay, how do you handle more than one thing at a time? How do you handle more than a list? How are you looking at the, it's almost like omni-channel marketing, right? How are you looking at the orchestration of everything and getting all the way through? And then the next level of that is the strategic mindset or really a consultative approach. So if I'm working with Hana, she is my VP and she's saying, I have this big thematic campaign that I wanna get done. I shouldn't just be sitting there saying, okay, uh, is it going to be an email? Um, the email could go out, I guess, next week. We should be thinking, what does Hana really need? She wants to bring in registrations for this webinar. She wants these content pieces to be created. It's not on us necessarily to create the content, but I want to make sure she knows that we have to bring in these five different people or different groups or teams to make sure that something is orchestrated effectively and gets out the door appropriately. So it's much more than what's right in front of you. And it's having that broader lens, just like when we're talking about working with sales ops and, and customer services ops. Yeah. And training your team to kind of ask those questions and look for those things, I think is critical. And like, you, you can sometimes get to a point too, where you have a template where at least then it's like, okay, am I thinking about like, what's the goal of this? Um, what are the actual numbers that you're looking to extract? And then like maybe then too, like it helps, it helps your team move into a more strategic role where they can start making those recommendations. Absolutely. And, I, and I'll say too, it's not a, an end all be all. I, um, sidebar of something I'm passionate about. No one here is surprised. You can tell I'm passionate about everything, but, um, people management isn't for everybody. 
And we mm -hmm. need to make sure that we're defining ways for individual contributors to continue growing their career outside of just saying, okay, you have to manage people now. And I think that that's the same thing in marketing ops. There are people who absolutely love emails, who love building landing pages, who love testing QA, A-B testing, all of this stuff. And that's phenomenal. They should not be kind of left to feel stagnant or stale because that's what they like to do and what they're really good at and that they can expand on. Um, and so I think where oftentimes people will be promoted into a management role because they're a really great producer, that doesn't always necessarily create the best people managers. So we need to also be aware of, it's not just me saying, oh, you should move up and do, you should be a strategic thinker. That's not for everybody. It is a goal. You need to have that in the team, but there are also people who are amazing at get, getting everything out the door and can continue to, develop skills there. And it doesn't mean that they're any less a, a member of the team. It's just a very different path that I think all managers should be aware of. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that maybe is part of the reason why, like, there's not that path for if you don't want to manage people um, in, in an in-house role, do you feel like that's why we see a lot of really amazing marketing ops professionals say, you know what, like, I'm going to go agency side because I don't want to, I don't want to manage people. I want to continue to work on these amazing projects and I don't want to be front and center. I don't want to have to be responsible for that um, or going off on their own and starting, you know, their own consultancy business. Oh, absolutely. I have a number of friends who are just the most intelligent, amazing markups people. And I keep saying, don't you want to do, cause I love what I do, right? I love the strategy. I love being people manager. I love it all. Um, I love being in big conversations and answering questions and it's not for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. I have people who are so much better at so many things than I am by like far. And I'm like, you could be doing all these crazy things. And they're like, yes, but I want to be able to figure out the next cool way to do X. I want to be speaking it's sessions and teaching people how to like up level everything that they do. And like, that's cool. And I think a lot of them do end up moving into a consultative side because there's not really a place to continue to innovate outside of just getting things mm -hmm. done every single day. Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm just looking at the questions. I think we'll. Okay, we're gonna save those because I wanna I wanna dive a little bit deeper on one one more thing on this topic, and then we'll go into some questions. So I want to talk about the individual level. So we've talked about how to build out this great function and team, and how to kind of nurture that culture. But what about individual, like enabling individual team growth and collaboration. What is your approach to that? Like, what have you seen work well? Yeah, um, I love this question. Um, so I'm going to go back to SAP Concord for a minute. At SAP, there are things called SAP Talks. And essentially, it's once a quarter, you have this at least once a quarter, you have this check-in with your manager and it should be focused on you and your growth. And at NextThink, we're also now doing a much more consistent growth check-in. And the whole point is, I'm sorry, Hannah, I keep using you as an example, but like, let's say Hannah's on my team. Hannah and I are going to have a growth check-in and I'm going to, as a manager, I'm going to plan out for the year. Let's say there are four, four different ways of kind of looking at growth and development. Um, what I've really loved to do in the past is annually doing some sort of a 360 review. So people on my team, if you are watching this, it's going to happen for you soon. Just wait. Um, but it's really important to get the feedback from outside of just yourself or your direct manager, the people who are your peers, the people who work with you, the people who you roll up to. Um, and, you know, you've, you've got the 
skip levels, right? We want to get really great feedback in an informal way so that the manager then can take it all in and say, okay, here are the themes that I'm seeing and here, here's, here are some ways that people have interpreted the way that you work with them. I think that's a great way for people to understand, oh, when I do this, it's actually taken in a completely different way. So I love doing the 360, a traditional review as well of here's where I see you at skills wise. And here's where I think the next level could be for you is really valuable. That's that's like a great place to start, because I personally want to know my manager. What could I be doing differently to get up to her level? I want to be able to speak to things in the way that she does and learn the things that she knows how to do really well that I haven't had the exposure to yet. So kind of sharing that back as well. Um, I also like to do kind of a career path, next steps. What would you like to be doing? Not necessarily in a five or 10 year particular timeline, but if you could be doing anything, if you won the lottery tomorrow and you just spent your time on stuff that makes you happy, what does that look like? And how can we find some sort of alignment with what your actual job is? Because I want people to be happy. We spend so much time at work. And quite frankly, I, I work to live. I don't live to work. And I want to make sure that I have the time to do that stuff that I love. So if somebody says to me, I really want to be a romance novelist, cool. Well, maybe you should be working on some of our email content because maybe you can come up with some really cool, uh, fun stories. You never know. Um, and then the last one is um, really just an exercise in personality and communication. Um, I take a lot of time to try and understand a way that I could challenge myself to communicate differently with everybody that I work with. Um, and I don't always succeed. It's an ongoing process. No one's ever done. But I, I would like to challenge people on my team and those around me to really look at what works well, what do you seem to get really decent feedback on, and where are some areas that maybe you could um, change your approach a bit. Um, so again, I, I talk really fast. This is a this is an ongoing thing for me in my whole, my whole life. I have toned it back a little bit. This is a silly kind of example, but being able to pull back on that has allowed some people to feel like I'm actually listening more. And I'm always really aggressively listening in my own mind, but just getting so excited and wanting to jump in and answer can be off-putting for some people. So it's really important for me to, to take a minute before I respond so that it, the respect that I have is coming across more than maybe it would have, have before. So just having that challenge of like looking at yourself and having an honest conversation of how could I be doing this a little bit differently. I love that. I love that so much. And and I think taking cues from people that are not like you, right? Like how do they communicate? What do they say when they're in a group setting? And like something I, because I'm the same way, I'm like excited. I talk fast. I, um, I want to contribute. And I, my brain works very, like when you talk about like the mental cabinets, I feel like I have like 20 open at one time. <laughs> Um, and like an example of that is something that my manager, I instantly picked up on is she pot, she makes herself pause and she says, I'm just going to stop there for a second to see if there's any questions. Very simple, but something I was like, I need to adopt that immediately because it feels awkward, but other people really do need that time to kind of process and say, do I have questions? Do I want to say something right now? And for me, like, I'll just go on to the next thing really quickly. So picking those little things up from other people, I think, is really important as well. I think it also adds to, you know, MarkOps is a, it's a service team, right? We have internal stakeholders, internal customers, and being able to understand 
how to work with a particular group or team member and what they could mm -hmm. maybe mean um, and not just assuming it really goes a long way. Um, you just made me think of another example of someone on my team at Concur where we were having these one-on-ones and I felt like I was being overbearing and I kept trying to figure out what, what is this? And we kind of got to a place where it was like, culturally, we were raised very differently. I have a very loud family. It's, you know, kill or be killed. Like you got to get your words out there as you can. And this person that I was working with had much quieter, much more reserved, really take your time. And so we got to a place where I was like, literally, I'm going to sit on my hands. I am not going to speak until you tell me you're done. And it was so hard, but it just became a part of the way that we did our one-on-ones because I, I wanted this person to be able to run the meeting in their way and not have me jump in. Um, but I think that that works, again, with your stakeholders as well. If you're with salespeople, they might be a lot more high energy and want to match you and, and kind of be up there. Um, but other folks might might not. And you're not going to get the most out of the conversation if you just barrel ahead with everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I actually implemented a code word one time with somebody on my team where she's like, we agreed that I had this very high energy and that sometimes it can be overwhelming. And we said, okay, let's implement a code word. And if I hear you say that code word, I know that I just need to take a beat. I know that I just need to chill and, and trust you. And I will do that because I do trust you. And, and she used it a couple of times, which at first I was like, I don't like that, but we agreed to it and it's going to help our relationship and our trust. <laughs> Amazing. Love that. <laughs> All right. So we have a couple of questions, a few more things, but a couple of questions first, just to make sure that everyone has a chance to hear your answers. Um, I'll bring this one up. So how do you encourage marketing ops in a new organization that you're joining? Um, if it hasn't existed before, um, it sounds like they're just trying to understand like what that strategy should look like. Absolutely. Um, the, the thing that's worked best for me is what's the biggest pain point that you can help to alleviate and then have that story to say, remember when we did this thing for you, think of how much else we could get done. Um, so a few years ago, I was at a company where um, actually a really long time ago, uh, where we we're trying to understand how many connects were being made by the business development team. And I'm totally dating myself here, but there was no tool at the time to monitor the phones. And so there was a post-it note and people wrote the numbers down and they're like, oh, you know, I called 200 people. And you're like, really, did you really call 200 people? I don't know if you did. Um, and we figured out a way to automate it inside of NetSuite and to connect it back to accounts. And we're like, see, now it's actually trusted data. And I, I could not, I'm not exaggerating. I couldn't. It was like I had brought gold. It, it was amazing. Um, so figuring out that first step and saying, look, it, we were able to figure this out because we have an operational mindset, which is a little bit different, is a great way to pull people in and start to gain that trust. I think positioning marketing ops as a trusted advisor as opposed to just an execution is really important at the beginning because I've also seen a lot of teams treated kind of like dirt right? Uh, I've seen teams just like go and get it out the door. And like, that's also maybe you shouldn't be working there if that's how people are treating you. Um, but it, the way to kind of gain that buy-in is to start saying, it seems like you have an issue understanding how well the MQLs are doing. Here's what we can do to fix that. Um, and really digging into 
What's the lead management, you know, the funnel look like? What about lead scoring if there's no lead scoring yet? Why is lead scoring important? Again, because it'll inform sales and it'll help drive pipeline. Anything to pull back to driving pipeline and growth um, will get people to start listening. Uh, I don't know if I fully answered that question, but I will happily have like a one-on-one -on -one if anybody wants to chat about it uh, because I love this stuff, um, like really very passionate about it. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you did for Alexander. So thank you for asking, Alexander. Okay, one more here. Um, what has been your favorite Martech stack uh, or or piece of Martech so far? And what is one new cool product that you've used in the last six months? Ooh, okay, that's great. Um, I love Marketo. I really do. I like everything's everything has amazingness and not greatness, but I love Marketo. I've been in Marketo for over 10 years. I'm a Marketo champ. I love all the people that I work with there and you can just do so many cool things with Marketo. So I'm completely obsessed. Um, love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, the cool new technology. So it's not necessarily a whole technology, but a really great way of organization. I'm an organization nerd and um, Damien Arlabas created MarTech Guru, um, which essentially helps you build out the whole, a whole cloud of all of your different tools and technologies and how they overlay with one another, but also how they answer back and forth um, or not answer back and forth, but share information. So yes, you have Marketo and Salesforce. Yes, information is shared. But did you know most of the time Marketo is both pushing and pulling information? That's something a lot of people just don't know. They assume that Salesforce is kind of in there, it's not. Marketo's doing all the work. Um, but having that really organized structure of here are all of our CRM tools, here's here's the map tool, here's um, you know, Sixth Sense maybe if you're using Sixth Sense, why are we using Sixth Sense, what's it telling us? And getting it all laid out really well has been really fun for me to see. Um, someone on my team, Samantha Cossum, I'm gonna call her out, I think she's on this webinar, is working on building the whole tech stack for NextThink right now. Um, and it's going to allow us to have conversations when we're looking at budget to say, here's how much money we're spending. Here's where we're spending it. Here's why it's important. Here's how much it's brought back in. So hugely, mm -hmm. hugely helpful when thinking strategically about where the ecosystem needs to head. Love it. Awesome. Thank you. Um, okay. I know we're running out of time, but I really want to have a minute to highlight a really important initiative that you're working on. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing with highway education? Absolutely. I am so excited to talk about highway education. So um, Toby Murdoch, who's one of the original founders of Capost, has launched this nonprofit called Highway Education to help people who are really interested in marketing operations actually gain experience without having to fight their way into a company and move over from another team to get that experience. As I'm sure most of the people on the call know, you know, we all kind of fell into this, right? And in order to uh, learn what we need to do, we kind of had to just get thrown at it, right? And you, oh, do this email, do this list upload, and you sort of learn it. There's not a great training program out there. And so what Toby's program does is working specifically with underserved communities, um, interviewing, getting people who are really excited and want to build out a portfolio of here's what I know how to do. Here's how I can do a thing in HubSpot. Here's how I can help you build out a campaign and kind of come out of this program with a whole portfolio to then bring to someone like me to say, I know you're hiring for junior level marketing ops people. I know that I haven't been in a company, but here's all of the proof. The proof is in the pudding. I know how to do all of these things. And for me, that's hugely valuable. If someone comes to me and says, I can show you exactly when I did this. Here's what went wrong. Here's how I fixed it. 
awesome. Um, that means a lot more to me than just straight experience if someone can speak to it. So really excited to be working with them. They're finalizing all of the content and all of the, the classes now and the first cohort is just kicking off. So definitely, thank you, Hannah, for putting the, the website in. Definitely take a look. Um, there are a whole bunch of awesome posts on LinkedIn about it as well if you wanna get involved. Yay, very exciting and important initiative for sure. Um, okay, Abby, thank you so, so much for being here today. Uh, such a great session, and I'm always excited to see what happens next in your journey. Uh, so everybody, I hope you follow along on LinkedIn with Abby. Um, and then join us next week. We are back every Thursday uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific, and next week we're having Scott Hamid from Intercom on. So he's going to share some really, really awesome um, and a few spicy topics because I, I've done some prep with him already. So we're going to be talking about kind of moving from um, outbound or inbound to an outbound motion, lead scoring, and then we'll get into some uh, tooling details too. So tune in next week. Thank you, Abby. Thank you to everyone who was here today. And we hope you have a wonderful Thursday. Thank you. Have a good one.